passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. It's a very special broadcast on this wonderful Friday afternoon. Uh, Tracy Pearson can't be here, but I brought in a sub. An original, the great Brandon Huffman. Brandon, how the hell are you? Where you at, John Gold? You didn't get asked. I did. Yeah, I'm doing no. it. We didn't great. go that original. We didn't go that far back into the way back. We just went. Remember around. how fun those days were, though? The, the original broadcast when mm. UCLA recruited well. <laughs> when they recruited. You could have stopped yeah. that sentence at recruited. They won football games that mattered. They... I, I went back and listened to one of the original ones I did with John from like 2012. And I sound so young and so optimistic and so giddy. Like, we have a genuine conversation about, is Brett Hundley the best quarterback in UCLA history? Like, those were the kinds of topics we used to discuss. Now it's like, in what way has this hurt your soul today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was, like, I remember when I, I joined the broadcast, it was in 2013. UCLA was fresh off the number one recruiting class of the country. People that are new to the board don't laugh. Yes, it did happen. They were or at least top three. They got really good football players who went on to the NFL and they came to UCLA out of high school and they went on official visits and UCLA used to do multiple junior days and meet and greets. <sighs> those those were, the days. were the days. Oh, those days. Uh, those days are behind us. Um, many years now, a decade actually is the, is the terminology. Um, we sit here now. Uh, it is December 8th. UCLA has a visit weekend, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's something. They've got some visitors coming in. We're in the transfer portal era. So there's transfers uh, looking at UCLA. There's also transfers departing. Um, 
you know, Tracy and I didn't get to this last week. Tracy teased it a little bit, but I probably the thing we should lead off with. Uh, UCLA lost its defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn, to USC on Friday of last week. Um, I'm going to give you my take first, and then I want to hear yours. Um, but mine is basically this. Just from like a pride standpoint and like from a institutional standpoint, how the hell do you ever let that happen? Like I, mm-hmm. I don't. I do not understand. And like, look, I'm a, I'm a pretty logical person. Like if I thought he was a scrub, I'd say whatever. Um, But even with, if he was a scrub, making a lateral move across town to USC is one of the worst optics things you can possibly do. Uh, Like it wasn't that long ago that UCLA gave the baseball coach a huge raise just to prevent that exact thing from happening. Uh, And that's baseball. That doesn't bring in any money. Mm -hmm. I, Look, USC and UCLA are going to be making the same money from the Big Ten deal. I don't get this. I, I like I don't get it from a money savings, cost savings perspective at all. And I think the optics of it are horrible. And I think the on-field potential is bad. Uh, I, I I don't like if this was quibbling over like five hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh boy, I I, like, I really don't. I don't. I don't understand how you ever let this happen. Do you remember, Dave, speaking of the 2013s, when UCLA was able to hold on to offensive line coach Adrian Clem despite a push <laughs> by Steve Sarkeesian, the then recently hired head coach at USC? I'm and so how- glad you're here, Brandon, because I was searching for a football example and I couldn't think of one. And there you are with your beautiful memory. My galaxy brain is useful for something. And I mean, remember the, the clicking on bro. And at the time, it was USC Playbook, scplaybook.com. I don't think your uh, your compadre Ryan had come over yet. And Lindsay Theory was, was covering the hell out of that. And Clem decided to stay because the direction of UCLA was much more promising at that time. And, you know, it clearly stayed promising for another year or two. But, yes, there was once a time where UCLA was winning head-to-head recruiting battles against USC. When UCLA was – keeping coaches away from USC. It was not four or five years ago that the recently fired Johnny Nansen, who, by the way, has done a phenomenal job as a defensive coordinator. Like Boy, y'all predicted. Man. Boy, has he. That's incredible, by the way. Like, it, stop. Because I was I was so down on that hire. I thought that was yeah. horrible. And he's, I mean, the improvement they showed this year was incredible. As we all predicted. Um, <laughs> he got fired at USC and then UCLA hired him. I mean, that's kind of where it's been. And now this one is a, you know, I would say it'd be a kick in the gonads, except I don't think UCLA fans feel any pain anymore in that general region of the body. No, n- numbed, numbed. Um, yeah, there's been local and Neutered maybe too? What's that? Neutered maybe as well? Maybe, maybe. It's it's numbed, bordering on paralyzed. Like you're not feeling anything from the waist down. Um, yeah, so that one um, I'm still baffled by. Like I'm still baffled by a lot. Like, I don't understand how UCLA hasn't released a public statement affirming that they are keeping Chip Kelly and why. Um, And not because I would agree with the decision. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with any of their reasoning right now. But they have an opportunity, or they had an opportunity, they may have missed it, to at least attempt to control the narrative and in Mm -hmm. some way persuade. Um, And I think the fan base, uh, there are a lot of ardent 
um, longstanding blues, I would call them. People who are, you know, I support the program. I support whoever's in charge of the program and God love them, you know, totally. But um, they're looking for answers and they're not getting any. Like there's no, the only public comment that Martin Jarment has given was to Bill Plaschke in a negatively framed opinion piece in the LA Times. How do you allow that from a PR standpoint? How do you allow the only commentary on your decision to be framed in a hit piece, basically, where they're basically saying you are an empty shirt and uh, your decision makes no sense. Like, there's a way to, I mean, I, again, I am not in favor of the decision, but there is a way to frame it where it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really simple. Uh, we are disappointed with the result of this season. There is no world where this is an acceptable result for UCLA football. We feel your disappointment. We feel more disappointment than you do. We, essentially, we care a lot about this. We care a lot about what just happened, and we are really disappointed. I have met with Chip Kelly several times. We have discussed specific things we need to do heading into this offseason, and I'm going to be closely monitoring those things, which are building NIL resources, recruiting the heck out of it, and improving on the offensive line. Because when I watched this team this year, that was the main issue I found. Better offensive line play, yada, yada, whatever you want to isolate as the two specifics or three specifics, give those. Say you care. Say you understand what people are saying and say you care about that. And in fact, you care more than that. And I think 50% of the volume would go down. But mm-hmm. they're not doing it. And I, I truly do not understand how they are asleep at the switch here. It reminds me of that scene in Anchorman where Ron Burgundy says, I don't believe you. Like, (laughs) it doesn't sound, it's all BS. It's all big, flowery words. I don't think deep down people in the athletic department feel everything that they say, but they're not making the move. They're not, they're not, it's irrational. They're not saying they care. Like, that's the thing is like, and it's not. And this is the part. Say something. Do something. I've been trying to write this, and I I don't know how to write it without it being too bleak, so I'm just going to say it. Um, I think the reason this one feels worse in some ways than uh, previous times that UCLA has been extremely disappointing, either in its macro decision-making or performance on the field. But the reason 34 and 34, 7 and 5, feels somehow worse than, I don't know, pick a new Heisel season or pick one of the disappointing Jim Mora years or pick Steve Alford anyway. Like, the reason this one feels worse is because it, like the things that the cynical folks um, always kind of thought about UCLA, like, uh, do they really care? Are they really committed? Do they really want to be good? Like all this kind of stuff. It feels almost mask off now. Like it feels mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. No, they really don't. They don't even care enough to release a statement. Like they don't even care enough to formally acknowledge the anger in the fan base. Like they just, what explanation is there besides uh, you, Joe Fan, care a lot more than the people being paid a lot of money to care? Right, and and that's the thing. Like the the apathy alone in the last couple of years, despite UCLA trending up last year, and you know this year there there seemed to be a little bit of optimism. And it took the Colorado game, it took Coach Prime to get butts in the seats. The apathy alone should have been enough to say, okay. We have got to rip this band-aid off. We got to take the, you know, pull the ripcord and jump and get out of here with the move to the Big Ten. 
you cannot have a lame duck coach going into the biggest transition that this athletic department has had in eons. I mean, I, I'm 47 years old. So I was six years old the year you said moved to the Rose Bowl. I'm sure there's been other things since then. Maybe when they changed the apparel companies from Reebok to Adidas or Adidas to Under Armour. In my lifetime, now granted, I was born a year after John Wooden retired. In my lifetime, has there been a more seminal moment in UCI athletic history than the move to the Big Ten? So, in a football-driven economy for college sports, in a time where college football is the tail wagging the dog, at a time where it is funding entire athletic programs and everything that they do, when UCLA, who Oklahoma, Texas moving to the SC, didn't set the world on fire. It was a big deal, but it didn't set the world on fire. A&M had already beat them to the punch. UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten dwarfs anything that Texas and Oklahoma did. And that's Texas, which is, you know, they, nobody thinks of themselves more highly in the athletic department than Texas. UCLA is joining into the biggest sports media move in college sports in years. And this is how they're going into it? What the hell are they doing? What are they thinking and why? Well, and like for me, and I'll, I'll just put all cards on the table, uh, you know, everyone's prone to confirmation bias. And I like, I'm trying to avoid that here because it feels like a lot of the data points to what my worst fear was with UCLA going for the Big Ten, which is that it was just a pure money grab. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it wasn't about improving competitive position it wasn't about getting serious it wasn't about any of those things it was just we want the money um and it's you know that that thing that some schools have done you know arkansas when it went into the sec rutgers when it went to the big 10 um these schools that they they signed up for money they didn't sign up to win the sec or the big 10 and you look at the three schools joining UCLA in the Big Ten um, going into next year, and you've got a playoff contender or a playoff team in Washington. You've got an Oregon team that I, I, I don't know. Oregon's program right now, like if you had to ballpark where they are in NIL commitment, like from a booster standpoint, what is it? Upper Five, echelon. Five, Upper echelon. Yeah. Easily. Um, like full commitment from a program level to running. And that's been true even pre NIL. Like they, They've got the program commitment that you want for a perennial contender. And then you've got USC, which, uh, you know, it's still USC. They still mess some things up, but the, 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 the arrow is still pointing up for USC. Like they have Lincoln Riley. They just hired UCLA's DC. Um, but UCLA is the odd man out in that group. Mm-hmm. And the level of seriousness they just declared after this season by retaining Chip Kelly, not saying anything about it, and then not retaining their defensive coordinator, who was the entire reason they even won seven games this year. Um, that's just, wow. I mean, it, and I don't even have words for it because the words are too bleak, but it's just, mm-hmm. wow. Um, I know I Rutgers takes a lot of strays. Yeah, I wasn't, well, I guess I, I wasn't expecting that to be so obvious at this point without them even in the Big Ten yet. I, I think Rutgers takes a lot of strays, and for good reason. Brian Doan's a product of there, and mainly you know, I do um, it because Brian Doan. Yeah, is a product. I had to be on a conference call with that guy this morning. So, Doan, sorry, you're taking shrapnel today, but 
UCLA moving to the Big Ten is more on par with Maryland. Like, you have reason to be excited. You have a history of, you know, good sports. You won a national championship in basketball in 2002. Football has really underperformed comparatively to what you're dealing with regional. Like, Rutgers, nobody expected Rutgers to go into the Big Ten and be a glamorous program. It was strictly for that New York market. Maryland at least had a little bit of tradition, you know, in basketball, football, you know, they were decent. UCLA is closer to being Maryland than it is Rutgers. Because Rutgers was kind of like, all right, we, you know, we, we still got to take him. He's family. We, we kind of need him. He's got a little bit of money. So we'll let him go on vacation with us. But Maryland's like the, dude, you used to be so cool to hang out with. Like, what is it that you say you do here now? Like, yeah. we're, we're not exactly sure. And there's, yeah, Maryland's content being eight and four, seven and five. They start off four and zero every year by playing a crappy schedule. Then they get in the Big Ten and they're mediocre, very familiar sounding, right? Yeah. And they're in a market with the DMV where you got Denver, I don't know, the, uh, the DC, Maryland, Virginia, you know, furrow recruiting grounds that have now become completely open to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And Maryland's just kind of there. And UCLA is going in with so little inspiration and optimism and this isn't one of those things like we saw it two years ago when usc went four and eight then they hired lincoln riley and they went 11 and three now did he turn it around in a day no i mean he used the portal they use a lot of other things colorado went from one to four wins ucla is more likely to end up being a colorado type improvement with the change than they are that quick kaylin DeBoer. Dan Landing sustaining a thing. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this is potentially catastrophic to the football program for a number of years, not just the short-term future, but potentially, you know, a decade plus, in my opinion. Well, that's bleak. Uh, maybe I'm being skeptical or cynical, or maybe I'm being real. Because here, here's the biggest thing, Dave. I cover recruiting. All right. This is my 20. Yes. Huh. I, I, for some, a lot of other schools, this is my 21st recruiting class that I've covered since I started with bro. There has never been a worse buzz about UCLA football <laughs> than right now. And I mean, I covered the Carl Durrell years. I, I covered, you know, it was funny. I remember the, the old running joke when we, when I first started covering recruiting was, Oh, no photo attached or no photo available. This is definitely a UCLA recruit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, then Dylan he had, Rush. Do you remember Dylan Rush? Oh, I do. <laughs> I th there was the Dylan Rush was he was like a champion wrestler. I remember I saw him. Tracy and I saw him at the Stanford Nike camp a couple days later, and there was about a five-hour drive from Palo Alto back to Ventura County, where we were just kind of like, "Did that really? Is that really? That can't be like this was." Be I mean, then again, one of the great Hawaii players of all time was duped in Manti Teo, so maybe we were duped too. Maybe Dylan Rush was doing it before Ronaya, uh, whatever her name was. But Ronaya, there you go. Yeah. But I mean, I, even you look at the end of the Carl Durrell era. Well, his last class that he never actually got to coach, but was probably responsible for Jonathan Franklin, Raheem Moore, Dayton Jones. So there was a trending upwards in recruiting. Neuheisel had a couple of really good classes in his last class. It's funny, you and I think we were texting about this a couple weeks ago. They only signed like 12 guys in 2011, but you had Brett Hundley, you had Connor McDermott, you had Jake Brendel, and Eric Kendricks, baby. 
It, it, we had the Kendricks, Barr, Cassius Marsh class. Um, you know, oh, there yeah, were some Kendricks was the previous year, right? He was previous year, but the 2011 class, you end up with three of your 12 guys ended up being dudes. Then you had the Mora years, and even the last Mora year, you know, recruiting-wise, there were some commits in that class. They ended up never playing for UCLA, but – I did a piece in anticipation of there being a coaching change and only once has UCLA finished in the top five in the Pac-12 under Chip Kelly. And interestingly enough, it was during the COVID year where they had nothing to do but recruit because they were out of, out of boredom. There is no buzz in recruiting. There is not even a buzz in portal recruiting right now. I mean, when did UCLA decide they want to be Columbia or Yale? Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's kind of shocking to me. And, you know, there's some more stuff trickling in. Like, they're they're definitely getting after some Mountain West guys, you know, that whole thing. But um, just the the what they're targeting in the portal. And, look, they've offered some guys. They've clearly been in contact with some guys. But I, it feels slow-paced to me. Like, and not reeking of the necessary desperation that it should be right now. Mm-hmm. Like, they how many offensive linemen have they offered in the portal right now? Like, I think it's one, <laughs> uh, two San Jose two. state yeah. and San Diego the guy state. Today. Uh, yeah. the guy today. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's baffling to me. Um, because I don't know how you, how you watch what you had this year and come up with, okay, well we can slow play this a little bit. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, they're losing a lot. I mean, we've talked about okay. So let's let's address the transfer portal um, departures. We talked already last week about Dante Moore and that whole thing, and that was borderline a, a foregone conclusion after he um, got uh, demoted um, midseason. Um, and then obviously Cam Brown and Keegan Jones, but you know Chip Kelly doesn't use wide receivers anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But the one this week that I thought was a huge blow, um, and I'm not you know saying something shocking (laughs) was losing Kamari Ramsey. Um, Yes. Ramsey is, uh, he was probably their best or second best DB this year. Uh, You know, whatever you want to say about Alex Johnson. Um, But it was those two guys. Uh, He was, you know, one of those players who like in a, in a previous era when there wasn't a portal, would be like a all American candidate by his fourth year, like, you know, be that kind of UCLA safety. Uh, and he's transferring out, which is, you know, it's the, the sadness of the portal era for fans, but it's also just like, this shouldn't, I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff going on in the portal nationally and I don't, but like UCLA on a program level losing its star defensive player like it's star returning defensive player this would have been the best returning player i think kind of depends on what happens with the murphy twins but best returning player on the defense and that just feels like something that happens to a g5 it feels like something Mm -hmm. that happens to a washington state it feels like something that happens to kansas it doesn't feel still and this is me from a historical perspective it doesn't feel like something that should be happening to ucla and yet it is there's a when, when that happens to UCLA, there's a failure at the top, and whether that's at the top of the athletic department, at the top of the football program, that is a gigantic failure, and it's inexplicable. And you, there's no spin, there's no rational spin you can give that to be like, oh, everything's okay. You know, I, I saw, 
I've seen people go, oh, it's okay. I want players that want to be Bruins. You don't think Kamari Ramsey didn't want to be a fucking Bruin? He committed to them in the first place. He signed with them and started for them. This is a failure at the top. And the sunshine pumping. Oh, I want guys that want to be Bruins. Dude, half the freaking roster didn't want to be Bruins. They went to other schools in the first place. They came to UCLA because there was better opportunity when they left North Texas or Harvard or Penn or wherever the hell Ivy League school or FCS school UCLA got them from. Ball State. You want to be in freaking Muncie, Indiana or Westwood? Let's be honest. You know, Kent – well, I don't even know what city Kent State is in. Is it in Kent? Is there a city of Kent in Ohio? <laughs> I think Wherever it's in it's Indiana. At. It's in Indiana. Yeah. There's, a, there's a Kent in Washington. But this whole point, this is an era of Ohio, I think. It, Ohio, yes. There you go. Um, this is an era where we're playing for the names on the back of the jerseys instead of the front of the jerseys, the side of the helmets. Flat out. So if it's going to be the model. like It's like when a guy gets drafted. No kid ever dreams of playing – for the Detroit Lions, with all due respect to Detroit Lions fans. They dream of playing for the Packers. They dream of playing for the Patriots, the Cowboys. All right, so college is starting to turn into that where it's no longer about your childhood dream. It's about where am I going to have that best opportunity to showcase myself for NIL and the NFL. When you squander the most talented young defender that you have, and let's be real, Dave, I anticipate that he will be reunited with Dion, with Danton Lane in 2024. Okay? Just based on what I'm hearing and what I'm speculating, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Um, and, and like, that's look, an organizational failure, though. Look, and Tracy reported it, and I think this is somewhat valid. And so I want to, like, put it uh, – not somewhat valid. I think it is valid, but I think it's, you know, part of the explanation, uh, which is, you know, UCLA didn't come up with the money for Kamari Ramsey. Um, but – and this is the the – this is the part that I think gets lost in the NAL conversation is would the ask be as big if UCLA's program was in a different direction? Like if UCLA was in a different position and in a different competitive position and that's the stuff where it's soft, but you can't know, like you don't know, do people leave a thriving, you know, organization where producing top tier NFL players all the time. And I mean, top tier, like, actual first couple of rounds that are actually going to play in their, you know, first couple of years and, you know, one where they're winning and competing for the PAC 12 and maybe the ask is still there, but if you're doing that, you know what, your NIL funds are going to be bigger too. Um, And if you get serious about NIL, like it's just like when you say, Oh, you know, he didn't want to be a Bruin or he did, he's leaving because of NIL. Well, that that's not, people like to blame fans for that sort of stuff. And it's like, Look, I mean, yeah, you can ask people to donate a ton of money to a failure, to like mm-hmm. a failed state. But most people who have a lot of money, like learn the like number one most important business rule or investing rule, which is don't throw good money after bad. And like you might be able to get some, but there's a reason that rule is in place. And yeah, like UCLA right now, the way they're approaching the portal, they're offering a bunch of like harvard guys you know and it's just what what are we doing here like what what is what's the end goal what's the plan with this like what's what's the what's the purpose like are you the way the way martin jarman talked about this um decision to bill plashke like he emphasized like graduation rates and all that kind of stuff and look i think there are um 
there's extraneous bits of following a program, being a fan of a program that people are proud of, right? Like, oh, these guys graduate, they're good citizens and all that kind of stuff. And I don't mean to be like a callous, you know, Texas booster right now, but... Yeah, 1995 was really cool. That was a great era for getting those kind of players. Yeah, that's not the point. The point is to be good. The point is to try to win things. Uh, and if on top of that, you also have good kids, good citizens, all that kind of stuff, great. But the point of this whole thing, the point of this whole endeavor is to be good, to instill pride in your fan base so that they, and like on a dollars and cents level, so they will give you money and also to increase your brand so that more people will want to go to your school and then be donating money to it. It's a marketing endeavor and you don't market your football program by saying they all graduate. You market it by winning games. And that's how it becomes a positive marketing vessel and not a money sink for your university. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I remember one of the greatest lines in the movie, The Program. You know, when was the last time 75,000 people showed up to watch a science experiment? <laughs> like, it, James Kahn uttered some of the most timeless words of all time. And it's, it's true. Like, when was the last time? I mean, yes, there is a place for college athletics to be about academia. It's called the Ivy League. All right. There's a reason they don't allow red shirts in the Ivy League. There's a reason that UCLA is able to recruit the Ivy League after those guys get their degree and then they decide they want to, you know, play a little bit of football at a higher level. There's a reason for that. But here's the thing. It's 2023. It's very clear the direction that college sports is going. It's very clear the direction that college football is going. We see it every day. I hear it all the time. Man, the transfer portal is killing college football. No, it's not. It's college football, maybe at its best, it may be at its you know highest crescendo right now because of the interest in the sport. You know, I, I was in Nashville on Tuesday for or on Monday for our Portal Palooza, and I was talking with a couple of the guys that I work with that were on college staffs, and we all said like this is more exciting than signing day because the signing day excitement, the diehards know who those recruits are. A casual knows who Kyle McCord is. A yeah. casual knows who Walter Nolan is. A casual knows these names going into the portal. So in an era where college football is taking lumps and punches left and right, it's never been more popular. It's never been viewed more. It's never been discussed more. And this is the path that UCLA is choosing to evolve with college football. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Like, they're, they're, they are... This is the thing, and this is the part that's like feeling so discordant to me and feels so mask off is that they are taking the path of we will not participate in a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, we're going to enter the Big Ten. And it's like, okay, so you're going to take the money, but you're not going to actually attempt to win to improve your competitive position. And this yep. is the part where I just think it's a failure of leadership. And it's at the program level, it's at the it's higher up than that. Um, and it's just you got to have a plan. You got to have a vision. You got to have an idea of what you are. And you also have to have some perspective about what UCLA is. And I don't mean this in the like, oh, UCLA has been dog shit for 20 years. So that 25. But like 25, who's counting? Uh, <laughs> minus three for Jim Mora. Um, 22 intermittent. Um, but uh, you, you got to have an idea about what this, what the potential of a program is because Look, there. I mean, not to get all cornball, but like UCLA, it's the optimist thing. And if you're in athletics, if you're the AD, if you're the football coach, you have to. And this is true of like so many people in athletics that I'm kind of baffled that we're not seeing it. But like, you have to have optimistic vision. You have to have the the idea of what your program can be at its highest level. You don't, you don't, your job is to be that visionary. It's not to dumb down expectations. It's not to couch this stuff. It's not to uh, tell people they're being unrealistic, tell people, oh gosh, you gotta, you know, you gotta reset your expectations. It is to shoot for the highest end potential for your program and then see where that ends up. And I don't see that. Like, I don't see a vision for this being. Because, like, look, right now, I would say UCLA football is performing at its, yeah, take the whole, take take the first three years out and just look at the last three years of UCLA. I would say it's performing at about a 40, it's 42nd percentile. Like, it's a little bit below where it can be on average. And I think it's getting, you know, 80% level offensive coaching. This past year, it was like 85th percentile defensive coaching recruiting and talent acquisition is at like the 20th percentile for what UCLA should do, but they're doing well enough on the coaching aspects of it and the development aspects of it that it's making up for some of the uh, talent acquisition stuff. But all in all, it's below even like, I think half the potential of this program. And that's not just like wins and losses. It's do you have enough talent in the program that you can basically be guaranteed to get to a bowl game every year, which is where Mm -hmm. UCLA should be in perpetuity. Like, no matter what joker you have at coach, you're getting enough talent in the program to win six games every year. And that's the baseline. And right now they don't. Like, it's they're having to coach their asses off to win seven games this last year. Um, and play a shitty schedule. 
and play a shitty schedule. Um, so it's just like, am I allowed to say that on the broadcast? I know yeah, this yeah, isn't no, the no, podcast of champions. So bring it, bring it. Uh, no, but it's, uh, it's just, I don't like your vision for what this program could be is it, it should be in the old pack 12. I don't know what the, the, state of play is going to be in the big 10. I don't know even know what it is for a really good UCLA in the big 10. I think they're still like running forth, but in the pac 12, that is be good pretty consistently, like make a bowl game at minimum every single year, uh, be pretty good. Most years, meaning eight or nine wins. And then every like fourth year really compete for a conference title. Um, and that's my vision for like, what, what's the like, 85th percentile UCLA performance. I mean, 100th percentile is you get a generational coach and he wins like he does everywhere else. But 85th percentile, what you do with like a Jim Mora when he's sane, like that's <laughs> that's that's what you can do at UCLA. And it just seems like we're like there's just a complete lack of uh, vision, drive, whatever it is to get to that level. And like I said, it, it goes back to there is just absolutely no buzz about UCLA recruiting. Yeah. You know, you look at UCLA's highest-rated recruit this year um, that, that's committed. Quasi Gilmer, Mark Schroeder. What do they have that the other guys don't have? UCLA in their blood. Mark Schroeder's parents both went to UCLA. Quasi's mom went to UCLA. Yeah. All right? Schroeder's dad played for UCLA. So predisposed to UCLA, swung them towards the Bruins with other offers elsewhere. You take out those two and – in a lot of cases, UCLA was the best offer for some of these guys, or the best committable offer. And that's the thing. There's no buzz about UCLA recruiting. There's no buzz about UCLA football. The, the butt of the joke, and deservedly so, is the empty seats picture 10 minutes before every game, during the game, the tarps. And the, the thing is, like, if you look back in the 2015 and 16, when UCLA started to dip under Jim Mora, they were still competitive. I mean, UCLA went into the USC game in 2015 with a chance to still win the Pac-12 South and have a rematch with Stanford. Now, that Stanford team would have ran them again like they did earlier in the season because oh, nobody was happy at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but, but even in 16, you know, they were 4-8, and eight, but they should have beat Stanford. They, they choked that game away. They hung with a really improving USC team. They had a horrible Josh, game Josh against – got hurt. Like, there was yeah. a lot that went on that year. I think Fafel played that game. And remember the first half of the game, Jordan Lasley was lighting up his boy, Adoree Jackson, That's right. in that game. And Sam Darnold started to do Sam Darnold in college things. Um, but even in 2017, I mean, they hung with USC, who won the Pac-12 that year, and it cost Jim Moore his job. When they were bad, they weren't horrible. Yeah. UCLA is the most uninspiring seven and five team this year that I've seen. Even, even if you go back to the year that Bob Toledo got fired when he was seven and five, the SC game they got annihilated in. And that was kind of the breaking point. And but there were games that year where they were competitive that they they could have won or that they should have won. Like you cannot shit the bed against Cal and ASU at home and have any kind of excuse for that. And you know, just the, the, the buzz is, is lacking. And now this buzz is going to carry out for a whole other nine months. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the coaching changes that have happened, think about how popping, for lack of a better phrase, Colorado was from the day they hired Dion until, well, until they lost their first game. But 
the eight months before the season started, there was a buzz that was positive, and nothing ruins the buzz more than the season actually starting. But well, now it's you buzz, still it's buzz for another month. I mean, the thing with Colorado, and this is something like Folsom Field was not selling out. I, I don't no. know when the last sold out sold they had before the season was, but it, they, they didn't. They weren't getting their consistent whatever it is, fifty-two thousand seater or whatever it is. Um, and that's not a that's not the Rose Bowl. It's harder to sell that, sell that thing out. Did they sell out every home game this year? I'm pretty sure they did. They did, and I think multiple road games they yeah. sold out. I mean, and look, is UCLA going to hire Dion? No. Are they going to hire somebody with similar buzz? No. And I don't anticipate when UCLA eventually does hire a new football coach that it's going to come with that exact same sort of bump. But you get somebody in there with energy, with a little bit of a little bit of understanding that like being the head coach of a football program is as much marketing as it is coaching football, mm-hmm. um, which is something Jim Mora get, got. Like before he went insane, does everyone remember? He emceed the spring game at the Rose Bowl. Like he was full on running the games and running all that stuff. Like carnival barking. And like Rick Neuheisel gets like dumped on for a little bit of that. But like Jim Mora was doing it. And he's like a, you know, a, a dyed in the wool football maniac. And he was doing it. Uh, like some understanding that this is a marketing position too. That you need And I know to we don't talk for. about. We don't talk about signing day 2014 ever on no, here. We, we no, never talk no. about it. In fact, it. I don't remember it. I don't remember anything about that signing day, and I would thank you not to bring it up. Yeah, but I will say that if you want to remember the day that we shall not discuss for any reason, ESPN was set up at UCLA the entire day of signing day. And if you remember, as players were, were getting ready to make the decision, whether it was Malachi Dupree or Adori or I think Juju maybe announced that afternoon, the jersey kept changing to the number that each recruit was wearing for high school. So, like, it was, like, that's how ahead of the game they were. And in 2014, and yes, they didn't get any of those players. Uh, thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Kenny, for salvaging some excitement. But, I mean, that's that was what UCLA was like. I mean, Mora, how many facilities were built because of the, the buzz of those first few years that Jim Mora produced? You know, how many different things were done in the athletic department across the board, not just in the football program, but across the board because of that. Well, and, and I want to be careful here because I want to I want to make something clear. I'm not a they absolutely should have fired Jim Mora when they fired him. I'm not a no, 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 right, right. Jim Mora should have been retained advocate, and I'm not even saying Jim Mora was all that great. What he was was competent for three years at like the basics of the UCLA job. Chip Kelly is a far superior football coach. Not just the UCLA job, Dave. That's what a head fucking football coach should be doing, right. period. But but Chip Kelly is a better football coach, like the coach part of it. Like he's better at like, I know how schemes work and I know how they fit each other. Like I, I'm not sure Jim Moore is all that, you know, well-versed in some of this stuff. But he understood the dynamics of being a college football coach. And he understood it immediately, having never done it before. Like, he got mm-hmm. it. He wanted to do it. And for three years, he was really good at it. And then he was not very good at it. And that you saw what that looked like. If he'd not lost his mind, uh, he would probably still be at UCLA. And they'd probably be potentially building a statue for him at some point. Because um, that formula of getting up, 
like think about the booster level of engagement in 2014 and think about like the personal relationships that Jim Moore had built with boosters and the interest level in football around that time. And then just say he doesn't lose his mind. Like he doesn't, you know, go completely off the deep end, hire Tom Bradley, hire uh, what's his face. Uh, Kennedy Palomalo is his offensive coordinator. Hmm. Let's say he just keeps his spread principles. He doesn't get completely like sent into a dark funk by Stanford. And he just continues to do what he does. There's probably a conference title in there somewhere. I don't know where, but like look at the Pac-12 the last few years. If Jim Moore kept running a decent program, they would have been right up there with Oregon under uh, Latin Jim Mora, Mario Cristobal. Um, and but and not to go all counterfactual, because I'm, what I'm saying is he is what you can do on the open market. He's a guy they hired out of a TV studio. Like he's, he's a guy they hired out of like ACL surgery who was coaching his kid's high school team. Like he's not, this is, this isn't a tough ass. This isn't going hiring Nick Saban. It's hire somebody who cares, who mm-hmm. wants to do the work of being a college football coach. And is it harder now? Yeah, it's harder. Is it harder because of decisions UCLA has made for the last eight years? Yeah. Is it harder because of changes in the world of college football? Also, yes. But you get the right guy in there, the right guy with a certain amount of energy. And it's never been – the potential for a quick change has never been more obvious. Like you mm-hmm. don't you don't have to take three years to turn around a program anymore. Some do. Uh, Arizona got to this level after three years. Uh, but you can also – have an immediate boost thanks to the transfer portal. Thanks to all these different tools that now coaches can use. Um, It's never, it's never as far away as you think, but I don't know. And this is maybe the, the, the historical perspective. And after this, we will, I promise get into actual recruiting stuff. Uh, Oh no, I I have one more rant in me still. Yeah. But I, I have a question for you first. Is the situation that the new coach inherits say it's after 2024. Is it, worse than anything that a previous UCLA coach has inherited football or athletically football. No, no, this will be the all time worst because they're at an era where they're playing with both arms tied behind their backs and they're not using either of their legs to try to do anything about it either. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, obviously Mick Cronin showed just how quickly you could resurrect things on the basketball court. Jim Moore showed what, some competent coaching does with some talent. That was before the portal era. What you have right now is you're going to have half of the roster that's on the team right now, as we see speak a week before the, uh, the Los Angeles bowl, half that roster will not be there in 2025, whether it's because they graduate, whether their COVID year finally runs out, whether they transfer. So a new coach is, that's why I said, this is going to be closer to Colorado than USC in 2025, where Lincoln Riley had to, you know, get 15 transfers, including a generational talent in Caleb Williams, where the new head coach might have to get 40 new players to come in. And how do you do that in an era where there's no portal? You know, I'm sorry, where there's no NIL um, watching it. But you mean to tell me that 10 years ago, if NIL was in play, that Jim Moore would not have rallied the troops to have those resources to be able to be competitive? Well, that's the you thing. Know, if 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 a consistent program, and this is where like I think somebody should do an analysis at some point, the programs that were consistently led through the beginning of the transfer portal and the beginning of the NIL era, and those that weren't, like, and this is the thing is like UCLA 
when Chip Kelly started, neither of those things existed, and then they existed soon thereafter. But I will say, I'll, I'll caveat that that he was still quote building his program at that point, so he didn't yet have it off the ground. But like the programs that um, had a coach in place and all that kind of stuff, how much better are they performing right now than the ones who've had a coaching change in the middle of it? Um, and you know, it's kind of uh, circular. But I do think that plays a role. And if, you know, if UCLA had had some consistency through this period, like if they, you know, that prized word uh, that Martin Jarman cited in uh, his article, uh, his quotes to Bill Plaschke, consistency, if they'd had consistency in this period from a coach who had some success, you know, Jim Mora, would it have been different? Would there be more funding in place earlier to retain roster, to add pieces, like all that kind of stuff? Um, all right, you had one final rant, then we got to get into recruiting. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it, it goes back to like you could have all the excuses in the world, but productivity produces the results that people want and people are accustomed to, and that UCLA should be doing. And again, while the, the Jim Mora years, you know, teetered off, Chip Kelly walked into a pretty good situation with facilities and the ability to come in with his reputation as a winner in college instead of being 49ers ship to be able to get the training table. I remember talking to Brew McCoy's dad at the opening one year. And he said that the sports science, the sports nutrition program at UCLA was better than any school that they were considering at that time. And that was all a byproduct of what Jim Moore had raised the rally the troops to do for a number of years. And Chip Kelly squandered that. He squandered all of that stuff, and now they're playing from behind. And again, you can play Martin Jarman, you can play Dan Guerrero, but it all kind of focuses on one person here, Dave. Yeah, yeah. The, the, all right, I got one final one because of what you just said. Something that's always kind of stuck in my craw as somebody who covered a lot of these kids in high school, who uh, the guys who were jettisoned from the program uh, in Chip Kelly's first couple of years. Jim um, <clears throat> Phillips. Well, yeah, I mean, from a talent standpoint, but also like the idea that all these guys were knuckleheads, the idea that all these guys were bad seeds or like part of some underbelly is just absolute horseshit. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there was some of this. There is in every single football program. There is in Chip Kelly's program. It's everywhere. Um, was there a little bit more at the tail end of the Jim Mora era? Maybe. Was it 40 guys? No. Um, this is the kind of stuff that like, again, like not to do basketball analogies because it tends to anger people, but like Mick Cronin walks into the UCLA roster 2019 and he says, Hey, you guys want to leave? You can leave. But if you stay and you work hard, you're my guy. I'm not a, my guy, your guy, like previous coaches guy. You're my guy. If you want to stay and stick around. Um, that's the successful attitude of coaches who have success. I, I, if you want, if you're looking for like one thing, why I was like early on, very negative about the Chip Kelly era, it's you don't build a roster that way. You just don't. Um, And there's just, there's so many other ways to do it. There's so many other, like you're not confident enough in your systems that you can turn a bunch of like 18 to 20 year olds into your kind of players. Then your systems are bad. Like, they're impressionable young people. They're not, like, it's just a weird, weird attitude that you can't, like, take these guys and make them 
your kind of guys. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I don't love OKG recruiting for that very reason, because you can make anybody your kind of guy. I mean, within reason, like, yeah, are there some hardened guys, and I won't name names, but a certain linebacker who was recorded, recruited in 2014, who you're not going to make him your kind of guy no matter what you do? Mm-hmm. Probably. But by and large, most people are, most of these kids who get to the level where they can be admitted to UCLA, where they've got family enough involved that they're staying on the straight and narrow in high school and doing all that kind of stuff, they're good kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're good enough kids that you can make them, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can make them work. It's just, I, I, I truly, I don't, it was setting themselves up for failure from the very jump. And I don't think they've ever gotten out from under that. I think it very much cleared the table so that they could start to be the Indiana program that they always wanted to be or something. But it's just, I, I, I fundamentally do not understand it. And I think it was a failure of uh, vision. And I keep using that word, but I think it's a failure of understanding of what you can be, what you can do with Jalen Phillips or whoever it is. Um and maybe you I mean Latu Latu is what UCLA should have got from Jalen Phillips. Yeah. And you know, that it's when you see Jalen Phillips become a first rounder and be an all American at Miami, you know, it, it numbs you. And you tell me you couldn't find a place for him there or you couldn't have worked out whatever it was. And, and that's the thing. It's just been like and I, mean, I haven't had retirement issues that they had in those first couple of years. Suddenly they don't mm-hmm. have any of those anymore. Right. It's almost right. like those were an excuse to cut guys. I don't know. hundred percent. hundred percent. And and here's what I, I go back to too. I mean, this is what I was actually wanted to start my rant about is, you know, when we were going to talk about the visitors this weekend and how there's a number of them from the portal. And there's some good players that, that are coming in from the portal this weekend. Obviously you got Nico Flores, who was the second leading receiver at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a nice portal visitor, but Here's the thing. For every Zach Charbonnet and Laitu Latu, you get a Jake Wiley or a Kutra Kunti, um, the tackle Kadir, from – Kadir Kunta. Kadir Kunti. And then what was the, uh, the the kid from Bowling Green that they got? Jordan uh, Anderson. Yeah. What was your favorite play that he made this year? Um, <laughs> you know, for every Michael Penix and Caleb Williams, you get a Phil Jerkovic or a Keaton Slovis or a JT Daniels. Just because they're from the portal doesn't mean they're good. Just because you think that they're good out of the portal, it's like it's same with high school recruiting. And for yes, was Charbonnet good? He was absolutely good. Was Latu Latu good? Yes. But the Murphy twins good? They've been very good. Darius Moose has been solid. But there's a lot of jags from the portal. And that's the problem when you rely on the portal. If you look at the teams that are playing in the playoffs this year, yes, three of the four schools that are that are in the playoffs or two of the four schools that are in the playoffs have transfer quarterbacks. Although I wouldn't really consider Quinn Ewers one because he was committed to Texas and he's from uh, you know, Austin in the first place, but or Dallas. But the, the point is, is that you look at the nucleus of Texas's roster, of Alabama's roster, Michigan's roster, and Washington's roster. Outside of Penix, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Troy Potts, and all those guys are homegrown recruits. The teams that are winning national championships and competing for national championships are doing it with a homegrown program, and then they're mix and matching a couple of transfer guys. They are not relying strictly on the portal. Jonathan Smith, who was discussed ad nauseum on the board over the last month because he was a potential guy to replace. He used the portal in it, at its infancy when he first got to Oregon State, and then over the years, he just tinkered with spots here. He stopped relying on the portal. He stopped relying on JUCO transfers. He was going with development. If you look at Oregon State right now, 
Those guys that have been really good are fourth and fifth year guys. That's how you build a freaking college football team. You don't rely on the portal. You get off your ass. You get out and recruit. You offer high schoolers. You don't take pictures at schools that do not have talent. You get your ass to those schools. You recruit. You offer. You sign. Thank you, Brandon. And it's so true. Um, and <laughs> I, it's it, the, this is and this is another thing where like again my confirmation bias is showing, and I acknowledge that is I was skeptical about the transfer portal from the beginning. And initially, UCLA found a lot of success with it. I would say their hit rate on the first couple of transfer portal classes was extremely high. Um, they and but that was because NIL wasn't a real thing yet, and um, they were I think I popped maybe the an early adopter. My head, sorry, no, I, 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 I just gave myself a headache. Oh, uh, but they were an early adopter too. Uh, but increasingly, you know, this past class. A lot of misses, a lot of misses, and then a lot of misses, and then acquisition with no plan again. That vision word, but you go get J Mike and you get Kyle Ford, you got to have a plan for using those guys because the worst thing you can do is create negative word of mouth as soon as you get these guys out of the portal, as soon as you uh invest in these guys out of the portal, and then you don't use them. You don't use what about the quarterback situation? I mean. There's just so many things where it's like the, the recruiting of the quarterback. You get Colin Schley to come in, and then you have Dante Moore. You're bringing in Luke Duncan. You have Ethan Garber, who's waited his turn. You still have Chase Griffin in the program. Like, and this like is you said, acquisition with no plan. And not to go all hindsight, because it's not. This is stuff that you can you can see in real time. You can see it happening in real time where it's like, well, do you – and I made this hamster wheel analogy like a year or two ago where it's like once you get on the portal – hamster wheel you got to keep running because you're not the guys who you were developing are going to want to leave or they're not going to be as committed and they're just going to be like okay i guess i'm not going to play here and you got to keep then reloading with transfer guys um and it's just it creates this feedback loop um where you're not running it like a college football program you're running it like a pseudo pro franchise where you have to bring in free agents every single offseason because the contracts don't last longer than five years. Um, and you're doing it on the Oakland A's budget. And you're doing it on the Oakland A's budget. And it's just, uh, what's the vision? What's the plan? What's what's? And this is what I want. And to circle back to the front of it again, before we get to the visit weekend, to circle back to the front of it, it's, uh, this is what I wanted articulated in a statement. Like what I would like articulated by Martin Jarman is, here's the plan. Here's what we've talked about with Chip Kelly. Here is... His vision, here is my vision for that vision. Here's how I'm going to be focusing on him executing that vision. And I'm going to be focused on the 2024 offseason and season to see the execution of that vision. That will be determining my next steps going forward. That's what I want to be said. But it's just, what's the plan for all this? Is it just is it just to become an Ivy League program that's actually competing at the FBS level? Because if so, I... That's rough, man. <laughs> Does UCLA want to be – I mean, and, and this is a bad analogy because, you know, Mark Stoops has done a really good job and he's got one of the best jobs in America because he literally just needs to keep fans excited about Kentucky for two and a half months and then hand it over to Calipari underachieving for the rest of the year. <laughs> Matt Brown puts asses in the seat. Mike Elko and David Cutcliffe gave Duke reason. To, you know, Lance Leipold, maybe the best coach in the Big 12 right now that, or at least is staying before Kyle Whittingham gets there. Is UCLA just trying to give people something to do for two months before basketball season starts? 
you yeah. know, or do they want to be competitive in football? Are they content with being the school that everybody wants to go visit for road games when the Big Ten schedule starts? Or do they want to be competitive? Do they want to be the 9 o'clock Beth Moens game on ESPN 17 or the Big Ten Network when they're playing Rutgers? Or do they want to play on the Peacock Network or on CBS at night? What do they want to do? That's the theme. You know, because we've talked about it before. And you see it every year when the NCAA tournament comes around or when, you know, the Blue Bloods of college basketball start off football season really well. And, you know, when you look at Carolina and Kentucky and Duke and Kansas, they're all off the good starts and UCLA's and they're UCLA's had the best football program of those five forever. Indiana is like a career under 500 program. I don't consider them a Blue Blood. It's been like 40 years since they're relevant. But my point being that even the traditional blue bloods in college basketball that have been mediocre in football have passed where UCLA is right now. And that's inexcusable because one of those schools is in the city of Lawrence freaking Kansas. <laughs> and you, you know where their quarterback's from? Lawndale. Where? Dave, you don't, you don't live far from Lawndale, do you? Lawndale to Westwood is how long? It's, it's at the end of the 105. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. It's, uh... As the crow flies, you know, it, it's quick. No, I'm not saying that UCLA should have recruited Jalen Dallas, but my point is is that Kansas is saying we aren't going to have talent in the state of Kansas, so we're going to go to Los Angeles and get a quarterback who's going to change our fortunes forever. What does UCLA do? Oh, let's go to the portal. We'll, we'll get lucky that this guy really wants to be in Los Angeles. Oh, he just left after a year. Yeah. Fantastic work, everybody. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 I would note, uh, I think five of the guys who went into the portal from out of state, just noting for everyone out there. And there's also um, one that's from the San Fernando Valley that happened to be your stud in the back of the <laughs> secondary who you flipped away from Stanford in the 40-year decision. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. Anyway, go Bruins. Um, all right. Hey, there's a visit weekend coming up, Brandon. Uh, yes, let's talk about recruiting. <laughs> uh, there's a visit weekend coming up. Um, so UCLA is getting uh, a variety of guys. Jensen Somerville, uh, the commit, longtime offensive line commit. Uh, from out of state, from Utah, um, they're getting uh, another quarterback coming in. Uh, former Michigan State commit Henry Hasselback, uh, son of Matt. Matt was his mm -hmm. name, right? Uh, yep. And uh, then uh, Rico Flores uh, from Notre Dame transfer. Uh, T.J. Crandall, a Colorado State corner transfer, uh, and San Jose State offensive lineman Fernando Carmona, and safety Jace Oliver from Tulsa. And then there's also going to be Marcus Ratcliffe, the safety from San Diego State. He's going to start his visit on Monday. So one thing I'll say is I looked at all these guys. I looked at some of their advanced stats. They're all in some form or fashion. They'd be good good enough gets. Like the, mm -hmm. And this is not like th – these would be good guys to add to a decent UCLA team's depth chart. So these mm -hmm. aren't like – Huge reaches. They're not, you know, out of this world. Um, like, oh my God, they're going down a level. You look at all the names of the schools they're coming from, and you're like, huh. But they're all like Fernando Carmona was the best offensive lineman on a pretty good offensive line. Uh, Jace Oliver is probably the one that I'm the most skeptical of. He, he had some bad tackle rates at Tulsa, but he's a really good cover guy. Um, and looking at them, you know, this is. It's a decent enough crop of guys for this first Porter weekend, but I don't see replacements for star players in this group. Yeah, because there are none. There aren't any there. And, you know, here's the thing, too. Like, you look at this group. I mean, they're getting all these 
portal guys to come in. I mean, TJ Crandall has a handful of offers from other schools. This is the first of his visits. Rico Flores has other schools that that they're interested in. And if you're Rico Flores, you left the school where you like the receivers coach. I mean, he didn't even have UCLA in his top three when he committed. So it wasn't like UCLA's high on his list out of high school. And you just had the J Mike experience. You just had, you know, Cam Brown's leaving. You have receivers that Kyle Ford that came in. I mean, Rico Flores is his comp might be Kyle Ford, maybe not as you know, Kyle's obviously had the injury issues that that have slowed his college career, but you know, he's you know, Tobias Merriweather. If he comes in next week, I mean, there, there's some receivers there, but you know, it, it's bodies. It's not like there's this Zach Charbonnet who is a dude and you know is going to fit right into yeah. this team and be awesome. You know, Fernando Carmona, yeah, he was good on a solid San Jose State team, but you still has just seen what happened when they've had FCS guys come and play in that lineup it, it doesn't mean just because you're good at fcs doesn't automatically drew has a party they offer he isn't even visiting but like when your two tackle offers are the mountain west guys that's not a guarantee that they're going to be duped no. and you know tj crandall i'm a big fan of tj crandall i watched him a lot in high school and I, i'm just kind of surprised his recruitment has taken off because he was you know he's only been in college for you know four months he was he was doing track in the spring at his high school um you know, it's just again. Don't miss. There was a, a wise guy, wise guy, a wise man who once coached on the sidelines at UCLA and Poly Pavilion. His phrase was, "Don't mistake activity with achievement." <laughs> just because you're bringing guys in doesn't mean that those guys are going to achieve anything. It means you're bringing guys in, and people aren't going to see the video. But I think it was funny that we were both doing the surrender surrender cobra <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it is. I will say this: at least the buzz that is non-existent on the message boards and on Twitter hasn't infiltrated those guys that are in the portal. Because if it weren't for the portal, there would be literally nothing <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> yeah, my my son one day said this to me. When he was probably, you know, he's a he's a very mature seventeen, but he was probably a young fifteen. And he said, "Dad, man, NIL on the portal, man, it's messing college football up." I'm like, "No, it's not. What it is is keeping me employed, and it's giving me fabulous content to cover. So this is great content. But if you take that thirty thousand foot view and you look at it, and if you're a UCLA fan who's listening to this, I know we've depressed the source Rex the hell out of this broadcast, but like, at least there's the portal to give." some kind of news not saying it's exhilarating and exciting news although did you see there was a i think it was karen Ravel that tweeted it that the the los angeles bowl ticket sales have been among the top 10 since the bowl was announced they've had the 10th top 10 largest increase in ticket sales based wow. on the two teams playing a lot of I mean, boys a lot of a lot of boise fans coming to the game or probably. a lot of a, a lot of ucla fans that are just like hey man i want to go to a game at sofi and sit in the lower bowl and it's affordable you know yeah that, 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 that makes it. sense i mean i like, I, I haven't I, been to a game at sofi but my son and i literally we planned to go down to la next weekend a month ago to go to to go to a rams game he's a rams fan I'm like, yeah, let's go to the la ball at that point it was looking like i don't know arizona and like unlv I'm like that'd be fun let's go to a bowl game he's been to a bunch of college football games uh-huh. never been to a bowl game now it happens to be UCLA against Boise State. I mean, not at all that we would predict it, but there is at least something to discuss and write about because 
these next eight months, God bless you that have to go to practice during spring ball at 7 a.m. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of you, Dave. I'm excited for bowl practices next week. I mean, just like inside baseball for everyone. I I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to ask Chip Kelly about. Like, Who's playing quarterback? Yeah, like who's playing quarterback is a great question. Uh, who's who's? I mean, it'll be fun to go to practice and see who's still there uh, from the transfers. See who's still there from the NFL potential departures. Like if any of those guys are opting out. Like I can't imagine a world where anybody advising Leatu Latu is telling him you should play in the LA Bowl. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if the Murphys are out there practicing. Like, are they planning on going to the NFL? Uh, now, Boise State will be playing with their third string quarterback in that game, and potentially not their running back too. Uh, he no, he decided that he was going to stay, and he is staying at Boise State, um, not going into the portal. But Maddox Batson's hurt. Taylor Green, their starter for the championship game last week, is in the portal, so they will be down to their third string quarterback next week but they've got a coach that's got that those troops fired up to be there and yeah. as we've seen numerous times in UCLA's illustrious bowl history <laughs> the team that wants to be there is typically the team that wins yeah yeah and it's it's a it's a Boise State team that also surged over the end of the season so um, UCLA if you were familiar with the last four games of the season, didn't exactly surge. Um, kind oh, of there sad. was a surge, all right. Like, you know when those power surges happen and everything, <laughs> all the life is sucked out. Those out some fuses. Uh, yeah, there's also a, a surge of experience. There's also a basketball game tomorrow. We're not going to belabor the whole game. Uh, Villanova's lost some games recently. I think it's winnable for UCLA. We'll see. Uh, see if Barque plays. Um, but that's basketball. Not, Say that again. Not, that sounded really cool. Barque. Barque Buyuktunjil. You like that? I just I can I want to make up my ringtone. Yeah, I bet. Um, all right. Well, this was depressing enough, I think, for everyone. Do you think we depressed them enough? I, I mean, if you're not depressed, you might have a headache like I do right now. Like <laughs> I literally, the right side of my head is bulging. I think I used too many bad words, and Greg Biggins is going to give me a hard time. He always calls me Andrew Dice Clay because of the some of my vocabulary, but. Yeah. No, you outdid a, me, and I'm usually the, the king of that on any well, podcast. Tracy, if you're listening to this, I listen to too much Podcast of Champions, so yeah. I thought I had the green light because, you know, this is Dave's Friday language or Thursday language. It's a great point. Um, it's a great point. It, it's funny because whenever you use these very descriptive words, I always love Ryan's response. Like, he just laughs in his laughing laugh. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it just, yeah. I'm in my truck. Dale, I got to tell you this. I want, I want everybody on the broadcast to hear this. My, my son is a senior in high school. We were driving. We were in Indiana. We went out to watch the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, and we were going to the Purdue-Wisconsin game the day before. So we were driving from our hotel in Chicago to Indiana. We were listening to the podcast of Champions. And you had said a couple of different things. And he didn't really register that we were listening to the podcast of Champions because I had my Google Maps on. So he couldn't see who it was. And you said three or four different things. You're like, dude, this guy is hilarious. I'm like, dude, David Woods is a riot. And he's like, wait, that's David Woods? Oh, my gosh. Dude, now it all makes sense because he follows you on Twitter and he sees all your funny things on Twitter. And he's like, dude, it all makes sense now. Like, this guy's like the funniest dude I've ever heard. And wow. like, yes, it, it, it was. It he's got to so listen to more out. people. Yeah, well, that dude, he might need to expand his horizons a little bit more. But I, I thought it was funny because – you know, you're you're like the everyman in the podcast, and you gave me, you know, basically made me feel like I had free reign today 
But folks, it, it will get better. It will get Everyone better. Forgives. Everyone forgives Huff. Yeah. See, I'm very. If you were looking at me, you would see. Oh, he looks so nice and and sweet. We should forgive him. But guys, it, it will get better with recruiting. It might not be until 2029. Um, but it, it it really knock on wood. I don't think it can get any worse. And we will have plenty of information coming back on Bro next week this, about all the visitors. That's what I will say. And this is the optimism point for everyone. And I know it's hard to hear this right now, but this is. The feeling you feel right now is actually the bottom mm-hmm. um, because this is the feeling of hopelessness. That's the worst. When they go or if they go, they might go six and six next year. I don't know. But if they go four and eight next year, you're not going to have this same feeling. What you're going to have next year is optimism. And you know why you'll have optimism? Because it's the same thing that happens every time there's a new coach hired. You'll be filled with hope. You'll be filled with, okay, this can work. The only time that hasn't happened in any coaching tenure ever that I can remember was when they hired Steve Alford. Because I think mm-hmm. everyone from the jump knew what that thing was. Um, and it was just a matter of time. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give one parting, parting bit of advice to, to kind of piggyback on you, Dave. I moved to Washington in 2004. When I moved up here, UCLA had just ran a train on Washington. Well, Murray Jones Jew did. Um, you might need to 300 and what 301 yards 301 yards like five where he didn't even get sneezed on he was he was so just like in running gigantic holes washington won one game that year i was at that game it was against san jose state the weekend after i moved up here my father-in-law took me to the game at husky stadium they did not win a game the rest of that season the next year they were mediocre when they hired Tyron Willingham, and I'll never forget the Notre Dame fan. They, I went to a game at Husky Stadium. They played Notre Dame, and a Notre Dame fan was wearing a shirt that said, you will never win when you're playing for a tie. And the ominous feeling that Tyron Willingham was not good, even though Jake Locker had one of his best seasons under him. They hit rock bottom in 2008 by going 0-12. Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian, the next year, beat Pete Carroll with almost the exact same cast of characters in a pre-portal era where you couldn't get a quick fix. This was a team that literally went 0-12 the year before. He had them in a bowl game by 2010. By 2016, they were a playoff team. Yes, it was eight years. But as I talk with my friends and colleagues that are UW fans that are flying sky high because of Kalen DeBoer, they keep saying they don't go back to the Tyrone Willingham years, even though that they thought that was rock bottom. No. Rock bottom was two years ago when they lost to the University of Montana in Husky Stadium, and then needed a random writer to find on Twitter Jimmy Lake assaulting Ruparake Fuivai and tweeting it and causing such an outcry that they had to fire Jimmy Lake, and two years later, Washington is in a position to win a national championship. Yeah, think about UCLA in that similar position, and they don't find that. Jimmy Lake goes 4-8, and eight and they're just like, oh, sorry, we're stuck with him. Because that is hopelessness. That yes. is hopelessness. That is the feeling you feel right now, but arguably a little bit worse. And um, I'll go back to my Jim Mora. In Chip, when, when Tyrone Willingham was going 0-12, there was a popular shirt because that was an election year. Remember, there was the Barack Obama shirt that said hope. And my same dear UW friend has the shirt in his house. It was a picture of Jim Mora on a purple shirt, and it just said hope. <laughs> and the thing is, counterfactual world where Jim Mora arrives at the University of Washington instead of Steve Starkeesian in 2009, Jim Mora is still the UW coach, and maybe they don't even ever make a playoff, but they're winning 9-10 games almost every year. He would have murdered Miles Jack probably plays for 
the University yeah. of Washington in that case. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. I've had a good time talking to you. I do not know if anyone will have a good time listening to this, but I don't care. You know, uh, we're just we're just spitting hard truths. You were you were singing absolute bars there. Uh, you were dropping bars, whatever the kids say. You were doing it, uh, and I, you know, I, I talked. And now we're done. I was basically, like, yeah, I was basically half Mexican Drake, is what I was, was doing. Whatever it was, it was beautiful. Um, for Brandon Huffman, go Army, beat Navy. Uh, we'll we'll hopefully have John Evergreen on next time. Uh, <laughs> just just Brandon Huffman this time. Uh, Legally changed his name to John Elizabeth. <laughs> by the way, I'm I'm David Woods, Brand Report Online. We'll talk to you again next time. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.